0: On Maynard.com.au. AU! Hello? Hello, would that be John Flansburg? What borough of New York are we speaking to you in today?
1: I am in the borough of Manhattan at my friend's house.
0: You've gone all fancy.
1: All of New York's kind of fancy these days.
0: Brooklyn has that reputation as being slightly bohemian.
1: I think the rent here is cheaper than than Brooklyn.
0: They might be giants. The two Johns, Flansburg, who we're speaking to, and Mr. Linnell, they will be touring across Australia in November. Go see them. Here's a wrap-up. They formed in 82 according to Wikipedia. My favourite album of theirs is Apollo 18. My favourite track on that album is Fingertips.
1: What's that blue thing?
0: Last album was Nanobots. My favorite song on that was Tesla.
2: Here is a mind that can see across space. Here is a mind soaring free.
0: That's about me. Uh huh.
1: -huh. Well, we've had a a new album out since then called Glean, and I think all your new favorite songs are on that.
0: update my software in my brain on that
2: yeah although strangely enough
1: we actually have two more albums coming out in the next four months
0: you've got a, a greatest hits double cd coming out fairly shortly in australia 50 million they might be giant songs can't be wrong on an elvis tip there
1: yeah john linnell uh, cooked up that title i i love the title i think it's very appropriate especially considering the it's a double cd with like a like 30 songs, a disc on it, so it's oversized. So how
0: did you choose the ones to go on there? Did the two of you have an arm wrestle? How did you work it out?
1: We did it the old-fashioned way. We let the record company uh, figure it out. <laughs> the first disc is actually from a compilation that we did with Rhino in the United States a few years back, which I think was called the User's Guide. So that was kind of like a greatest hits of like the first. 15 or 20 years of our career. And then the second disc was compiled by the Australian record company, who were very thoughtful about how to do it and did a good job. There were some small revisions, but nothing too
0: picky. Last time I spoke to you, you were uh, doing uh, the Australian tour and you were in Adelaide, and you were looking online at a pink guitar, a bright pink guitar. I don't know if it was a telecaster, I'm not quite sure what. Oh, I Un- know what it is. You were unsure whether you were going to buy that, whether your manhood could take being a pink guitar player on stage. Has that happened?
1: I demurred from the pink guitar challenge, and shortly after, I think I actually went back to the website with full intention of just laying down whatever the crazy price was, and it was, a very, it was very expensive, considering it was pink, and I found that it was gone. So I'm left-handed. One of the wonderful things about being left, a left-handed guitar player is that it saves you from squandering your money on musical instruments because there's so few to be had. I Actually, I go to this website in the United States that's like a music store aggregating site. It has all the items for sale on hundreds of music shops around the United States. So it's sort of like an eBay type site, but just for guitars. The search engine allows you to search for right-handed guitars or left-handed guitars. And at last count, there were 34,000 right-handed guitars for sale and there were 184 left-handed guitars.
0: Wouldn't that lead you to sometimes making an impulsive purchase because you never know if it's going to be there again?
1: Oh, absolutely. There are a lot of things that you only see once, and if you don't don't act on it, you'll never see it again. And also, I often find myself getting there right after the guy from Los Lobos or Elliot Easton from The Cars. (laughs) Because both of those guys are left-handed, and they are much more successful than me and have a lot more money than me, so they're constantly swooping down and buying rare left-handed guitars that I want to get my hands on. Those guys.
0: What configuration are you going to be playing in this time? Pretty much the same band that we saw last time?
1: It's the same five guys. We still get along after all these years.
0: Now, what's the secret to that? I think there's a lot of families, a lot of couples that are going through some trouble at the moment that want to know what is the secret to five guys getting along on the road forever.
1: Well, our drummer evidently... Somebody was asking him how me and Linnell have gotten along for so long, and just because he's been sort of witness to our relationship, our working relationship. And he said that what struck him was that nothing festers. If somebody has like a problem with something, the communication is very
0: swift. So you have the argument there and then, and you're done.
1: You know, the truth is, I don't even feel like we have that many arguments. I think that it's kind of a self-selected group. I don't think you end up in a band like They Might Be Giants by accident. It's not like you'd rather be in another kind of band.
0: So there was no chance that someone who originally wanted to be in KISS ended up in They Might Be Giants.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting if that did happen because it would just bring kind of a different kind of energy to it. The guys we're working with are incredibly solid musicians, and John and I have a history that goes back... One of the strange things about our relationship is that a lot of the very formative rock shows that we both experienced, we saw together. I saw Frank Zappa and Captain Beefart perform Standing Next to John Linnell in 1974. We've seen a lot of the same things, so in some ways it's not a surprise that our kind of musical point of view runs so parallel. We've seen a lot of good shows together. We saw a lot of really bad shows together.
0: So okay, can you actually just say who was probably the worst person you've seen live?
1: One thing that makes me sad is John saw ACDC with Bon Scott wow. in Boston in 1975, and I didn't get to in on that show. But I would love to have seen that. I mean, that probably would have been something to check out. I'm trying to think of like the worst. I mean, there was there were a couple of very obscure bands that played that seemed to be perennial favourites of rock promoters in Boston when I was a teenager. There's a band called Wet Willie, who are sort of like a really bad southern rock band.
0: You guys go back so far, your, your archives must go back so far. Have you been surprised personally at the uh, quality of, that cassette tapes have been able to hold over the years compared to 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 reel-to-reel tapes because stuff on reel-to-reel has started falling apart and yet you stick a cassette in and it's like you just played it yesterday.
1: You know, I haven't had much trouble with cassettes and I haven't had too much trouble with reel-to-reels. I'll tell you what I have had a lot of trouble with and it's breaking my heart, is burnable CDs.
0: So you'll burn one then a few years later it won't play?
1: I got into a CD burning very early on like in the year 2000, and almost categorically the, the ones that I made in 2000, 2001, they're all failing. And it's sort of like seeing the Terminator's face melt
0: off. It's all gone moldy and stuff inside?
1: Well, I remember hearing an audiophile talk about it back then saying people will be surprised at how impermanent they are because it's a light sensitive medium. It's never really permanently fixed. The problem with burnable CDs is that they're never really fixed. So if any sunlight gets on them over a decade, it basically just erases the sound. So it's really fully irretrievable.
0: Have you permanently lost material?
1: Yeah, I've lost more material from the early aughts than from the 80s.
0: So now you're making cassette backups or maybe uh, cartridge backups.
1: (laughs) You know... That Tapes also seems to be pretty reliable. That Tapes might be your best bet. I feel like we've lost half your listeners right now.
0: Oh, no, there's a lot of people out there that are looking at the CDs they burnt and haven't played for a long time and going, hmm. It's
1: never a bad time to just back it up. Back it up on another burnable CD and you'll just get another, you know, you'll have it for another five years. Until something but, better comes along.
0: I want to point to the Science album because I do love the, the Science album, the Here Comes Science. That was a great album. Oh, thank you. Great for kids, too. If we were to play a song off that, we've gone through the one about the sun, the controversial sun issue, which we all know about, but is there one on that do you think, <laughs> pe- well, you know, it was controversial at the time. Is there one you think people could learn something from off that album that they don't think about normally?
1: The song Meet the Elements is actually a pretty good little primary course in what the elements are and and what it's all about.
2: Iron is a metal, you see it every day. Oxygen eventually will make Rust away Carbon in its ordinary form Is coal Crush it together And diamonds are
0: mr flansberg what is your favorite element
1: oh i'm personally very fond of oxygen whenever i can get it.
0: <laughs> that's true it, it does seem to be popular i'm a bit of a fan of americonium just because it's so rare and unusual
1: that sounds like a good one is that a, one of the expansion team was it added to the periodic table like later on
0: yeah yes it was yeah
1: there's like a half dozen or so right that are all new and they all have names like that they're all like unobtainiumy the science album was a really big challenge because it was like, are you familiar with the uh, concept of the Peter Principle? The idea of being promoted to your level of incompetence?
0: That's where people naturally rise to the level where they keep trying to do things until eventually they get to the level where they fail.
1: The people at Disney were very confident that we could do this science album. But the truth is, neither John nor I were like, particularly good students. And although you know, in some autodidactic way, like I think we're smart people... We're just not...
0: It's also very unusual to have your lyrics peer-reviewed.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, we know a lot about music, (laughs) but uh, we weren't doing a Here Comes Music album. We were doing a science album. So we really needed some outside confirmation that we weren't just completely full of
0: it. Got one question from uh, one of my listeners here on Chuck7 on Facebook. He wanted to ask about a track off the John Henry album. He wanted to know oh. what the end of the tour is about. He had heard it's about Courtney Love but wanted me to ask you. That it's old and it's
2: totally over now And it's old and it's over, it's over now And it's over, it's over, it's over Now I can see myself
1: at the end of the tour Oh, I don't even, I think it was, I think the song came out before Courtney Love was even a public figure. Maybe not. No, I, I think the song is really, I, mean, I don't want to speak for John too much, but I feel, like, I feel like it's pretty easy to relate to. It's really just about the end of the road, really. Realizing that there's, there's nothing, there's no future in uh, an endeavor. It's not about Courtney Love.
0: Pick a track that's on the upcoming Greatest Hits, 50 million, they might be giant songs, can't be wrong. Of the whole double CD, which one would you pick?
1: I wish I had a track listing in front of me.
0: Do you like me to read a couple out?
1: Yeah, read read a half dozen out.
0: Dr Worm, Man It's So Loud in Here, and in Istanbul, Your Racist Friend, The Statue Got Me High.
1: Play, Man It's So Loud in Here, that's that's an interesting
0: production. And, And how did that one come alive?
1: That was a really unusual one. John put the initial track together... And then me and Adam Schlesinger, I had done some kind of remix for some other song of ours. It was very drum-based. And Adam Schlesinger was producing some tracks on our record and basically said, you know, you're doing this song that's all about disco music and electronica, but it just sounds like a straight-ahead rock song. Why don't you give it a more electronic treatment and give it some of that drive of electronic music, or just like, you know, dance floor music? And so he and I just kind of set to making the track really have, like, its own electronic environment. The final version is really, it's almost a remix of the idea before it even got into the world.
0: Thank you, John Flansberg. We'll look forward to seeing you in Australia. Go see them, people. You're going to have a lot of fun. Think about whether you want to be people or apes before you go. It could be a bit confrontational at the time. You're actually divisive as a band when you do that with an audience, and I love it. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Hey
2: you!